Hello and welcome to the Race FF podcast. I am your host, Jaime uh, Garcia. And today, guys, I am really honored to have, for the first time, an actual owner of a NASA franchisee. And, you know, being a franchisee owner and racing is got to be one of the more difficult things because not only do you deal with um, all the struggles of racing, but you are also the person in charge. So it, it is a difficult thing uh, to do. And I have very little idea of that. And to kind of help out understand that, that setup, we have the franchisee owner from the great state of uh, Arizona, Mr. Uh, Tage, how do I say your last name? Is it Evanson or? It's pretty close, Evenson. Evenson. Oh, oh, pretty even. Ah, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> so, welcome to the podcast, man. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's kind of interesting that people look at me and they, they see Tage Evenson. Where the heck did that name come from? So, um, I was actually adopted, so I'm Korean. Oh. Um, but I, when I was six months old, I was adopted by a Norwegian couple. So, if anyone's ever seen my parents, they're like, they're as white as can be. <laughs> so... That is where the name Even Sun comes from. It's very much so Scandinavian. Oh. Um, but boy, what a topic, though. You, yeah, you nailed it here. So how did I end up with a NASA region? And I'm also a racer. So I was a racer first. And uh, long story short, I came across the opportunity to um, take over the Arizona region for NASA. So at first, it seemed like just the greatest idea, but it quickly caught on. You know, it's like, hmm, this is kind of like, my business and it's like do you do you take your clients out golfing and, and beat the crap out of them <laughs> no right so it, but you also being a racer uh no one that races you know races for mediocrity mm -hmm. right they're, they're racing to win whether they they know they can mm -hmm. um or they have the capability to you're still going to try to win so mm -hmm. um yeah that, that has been the challenge that i've had the nice thing is my car has gotten to a point where it's extreme <laughs> enough I usually can't finish the race, so it doesn't really matter. Um, very rarely do I even see the checker flag. So oh, boy. I don't have to worry about that part. But, yeah, in terms of time trial or, you know, setting out a fast lap time, that, that's definitely where I put my focus at. So it's a struggle, for real. Of, um, you know, do, do I try to be competitive or I try to, um, you know, just take a back seat and, you know, quote-unquote, let the customers, um, mm -hmm. you know, get get the glory? Well, that's not really why I originally took over, but it, it's it's a struggle for real. Um, luckily, it's not my day job, not mm -hmm. what I eat off of, so it's purely for a hobby, but um, yeah, it's tough trying to balance, um, you know, doing a good job from the region or just trying to be a good racer. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I feel like if you're not passionate about the whole racing series, I mean, it, it's kind of hard to really want to take over uh, a franchisee if you're not, like, at all in, in interested in it because so much of it um at least um in my personal opinion of being out on the track it's not that glamorous as people would imagine it like people think of oh race cars you're out there with ferraris and lambos and the reality is you're <laughs> you're like clapped out civics and miatas and spec 944s People don't even know that those are real Porsches. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, I, I think 
to some degree, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think also in the day, no one does this. Like, oh man, I love spending a ridiculous amount of money mm-hmm. to, to be bored out there and mm-hmm. not have it be glamorous. Yeah, you know, when you're in the car, all those late nights of, of you know rushing to get the car ready. That's the never-ending story. Everything mm-hmm. happens at the last minute. Um, getting on track and just going through all the struggles and the flat tires on the trailers and whatnot. Um, once you take that green flag, whether you're in HPDE or in race group, or you see that checker flag, or you get that track record of personal best, mm-hmm. um, it, it's all worth it, right? And it's like, all yeah. right, let's just reset the clock for another 28 days for prepping for the <laughs> next race. Um, so, so I do think anyone that does this, especially in race group, um, mm-hmm. on a challenge or pick any series you want, um, that is kind of the reoccurring theme, and it's that high that you get um, from that one good race. And it doesn't have to be every single event. I've had a, a string of bad events to where, you know, I made practice, but that was the only thing I made. It wasn't even like practice. It was like <laughs> the warm-up before the real event, two oh, boy. events in a row, um, right? So I was just like, oh, I've got to have a good event. And so this last weekend, we had a, we had a really, really good event um, mm. locally here in my home region. Uh, to kind of make up, kind of wash away all the bad sins, all the bad stuff that happened <laughs> the two events before. <laughs> and the clock gets reset, so if I have a bad one, hey, not a big deal. I, I had a really, really good one this past weekend. And I, I know, um, and this is one of the things that I kind of like got from the small interaction, and I have to give a shout out to Scott Adams for doing the hard work of actually introducing me to you. So I, I have a lot of respect for that, man. Um, but you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, this car and whatnot. And being that this is the Race FF podcast, it's like, well, we haven't even talked about what car it is that you're driving and what the power plant behind it is and why oh, you're having sure. so many little issues. So, oh, break- man, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> so, break yeah, it down. What, what's the chassis okay. and what's the power plant? So uh, it sounds like you said most of your listeners are Honda peeps. So if oh, I yeah. say EG, they all they know it's a 92, 95 set of hatchbacks. So um, that's what I've got. I can't remember what it is. It might be a 95, maybe a CX or a VX. I can't remember which model, but mm-hmm. they're all the same once you once you race prep them. So, so that's where it started life at. Uh, if we rewind even further back, I started off autocrossing with an Acura Integra, Ooh. Um, a GSR 95, and Damn. so that's where literally it's i think it's the trailing arms the subframe mm-hmm. uh, the same knuckles literally from that integra are no way. on my civic right now no way so i think it, yeah at the time i was like oh you know i said I did some autocrossing and i always felt like uh the the civic hatchbacks always had an upper hand because it was all the same dimensions wheelbase chassis all that stuff but they were a little bit lighter mm. so i actually sold my integra and bought um, a green EG at the time mm-hmm. and swapped everything over. You know, it took like three weeks to have them both up on jack stand and swapped everything. And I really didn't like the color, but I wanted the car. And then, of course, not, but like three months later, a white EG came up. So I did it a second time. I <laughs> put both up on jack stand, swapped everything over, and then sold the green one. And then um, it's this white one that you see, um, that you would see today. So it oh. started off as life as a B series, but eventually it kind of morphed into more and more extreme stuff. So today, as it sits, it's um, EG chassis. It's got um, some modified trailing arms to fit some really wide tires. So I got 15 by 12 inch wide wheels, and it, and it runs a 295, 35, 15 Hoosiers. So either R7s for race or A7s um, for all, for a time trial. 
Mm-hmm. I'll even run A7s for race if it's um, if they're brand new stickers mm-hmm. um, in the front and maybe slightly worn in the back, and it's a cool cooler event. I'll do that. So that's the grip side of it. Uh, it's got K Sports for coilovers. It doesn't have some MCS or ten thousand R Motons or Penske's. <laughs> it just has regular old. Um, it's the it's the race version ones, but it's got some mm-hmm. just regular K Sport coilovers. Nothing special there. Um, uh, K24A2, so that's the TSX, what is it, mm-hmm. 06 to 08, uh, power plant, all stock, um, internals, obviously it's got like the um, RSX Type S oil pump, oil pump and, and like a chain in the back of the oil pan, yeah. yeah, chain, all that stuff, but it uh, doesn't have any of that, um, there's like some adjustable cam gear or something that gives you like more timing, doesn't have any of that stuff, it's all stock, mm-hmm. obviously it's got a header, and then um, it used to have a Jackson Racing Supercharger, had that on there for... Oh, probably at least eight years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just recently, just before Nationals, like literally like two weeks before, uh, switched that over to a Merc Racing TBS 1900. So uh, the car was pretty special before, but it's it's really, really good with that, that TBS 1900. It's it's seriously detuned right now to still fit in um, ST2 or mm-hmm. PT2. Uh, I believe if I, if I just turn up the width just a slight, small amount, um, it's maxed out in ST1 or ST, um, wow. TT1, but I don't think anything's going to last is the problem. So it already has a hard time with, um, cooling and keeping the brakes so they're not fading and pedal going to the floor, mm-hmm. um, with, the, with the ST2 power level. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll probably keep it there. I'll, I'll have, um, Tony at UMS tuning. I'll have him probably make me like, Hey, let's see how much power this thing can make. And that'll be like, uh. That'll just be like a probably a TTU, like a once and done, like couple runs, couple laps, and then then you pull in. But I, I wouldn't try to race it that way. I'm just going to blow something up, <laughs> and, trying to run five on a horsepower. <laughs> and I mean, for those that know that chassis, when you're talking about like what was that like a, a by ten inch wheel in two ninety five. Uh, 12 inch wide wheels 12 inch wide wheels on an eg so chassis nine, yeah so 949 racing um cool. emilio so yeah so he makes the um he's big on the miatas right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. 15 by 10 that's been played out and done all day long i used to run 15 by 10 with 275 hoosiers um but then emilio came out with this um 15 by 12 and that's right when hoosier came out with the 295 so you know if you're a miata fanboy it's all about the 15 by 12s on the 295s and again damn i think i'm the only civic i know of that that's running running these on their civic with 295s yeah i i can't imagine uh a lot of egs uh with like single cams trying to do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. even single cam man even even a i don't know i want to say like a k24 even stock just with like 220 is, is, is you know can you make up for the rolling resistance I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah might be faster than our 245 yeah i, I mean th- those are some wild sizes uh especially for me and i i mean you don't give yourself enough credit because i'm looking right now at phoenix phoenix uh international raceway and i just keep seeing uh that name uh pop up st2 Lap record, uh, Tage Evenson, Tage Evenson, SC2. I mean, you, you got them out there. So it's not like you're going super easy on your customer out there. There's a couple that were able to oh, beat no, you out. Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, I certainly don't um, <laughs> Don't take it easy. I go on track. But it, it is this, um, 
I think anytime I go on track, I'm like, hey, what am I, what am I really trying to do here? Is, is, mm-hmm. is you know my pride or satisfaction of mm-hmm. of, of winning a race, you know, worth potentially driving away mm-hmm. you know, potential customers? Um, luckily, like I said I've got a full time job, so mm-hmm. you know I, I treat this as a hobby. It's my passion. Mm-hmm. It's what I love to do, and it's like, well, hey, if I'm going to be on the track anyways, why not be the organizer? I'm kind of a control freak anyways, so <laughs> it, it works out good in that regard. Uh, yeah, to some degree. Um, but like I said, usually the guys that really, really are most passionate are the guys in race group. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I can hardly ever finish a race, it's like, I literally, <laughs> it's like maybe one out of three races, I actually see the checker flag. If yeah. there's something that goes wrong with the car, um, or I just retire early, it's just not worth, you know, risking the car. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, also, I forgot one thing on the, um, what, what really makes this thing special. So, uh, last year, mm-hmm. last August, I switched from a standard H pattern. Um, Honor transmission to a oh, sequential. That's right. I, I remember seeing that because I've been watching your videos for a while now. So, yeah, that that thing is uh, this thing's so nice having a sequential. It's just, I mean, no messing gears anymore, no shift linkage uh, junk. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that one. So, so I did it for a couple reasons. Uh-oh. One, I was I was tired of blowing gearboxes, so I think I started blowing. Um, either third or fourth gear all the teeth strip off even guys with any power you'll do it eventually but being supercharged super high likeliness of that and on 295s mm-hmm. like the, the tires just don't spin so all the power goes to the gear so i kept stripping those gears out. So i said well if i go to a quake guess what it's rated to handle a ton of power i shouldn't ever have this problem um you know shouldn't be a keyword <laughs> but th- that was the primary reason and the second reason was like well th- now i won't miss a shift well it's funny when i first did the the gearbox i had the um still had a lever where you had to pull it mm-hmm. i actually had still had missed shifts you can <laughs> not pull the lever back far enough or not lift off the gas enough um and i still miss shifts now what is it as much as a standard h pattern mm-hmm. gearbox but what i found was honestly when i first did it um i originally had the 4-1 final drive and then the manual lever the car was no faster and actually it may have been a tick slower at mm-hmm. most of the tracks that i went to Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was mostly the final drive. Um, yeah. But I also did the final drive a much less aggressive. So I think when I had the factory one, or what I'd have a four, I can't remember the exact ratio. It was close to a four four when I had the factory Honda one. I knew I didn't want a four one because I knew this new supercharger was going to make a whole bunch more power. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I don't want to do a whole bunch of shifting. So I think four one is the right one. I think that was just the wrong final drive. So uh luckily or unluckily after about a year of having that in the in there i um uh recently it was upgraded from the lever to paddle shift mm-hmm. and the, one of the first events out there at high plains um raceway in colorado i accidentally i don't know i sneezed or something i upshifted twice with the paddles and so, whoops, that was a mistake. And so, um, instead of lifting or pushing on the clutch or lifting off and, and doing a downshift, I just hit the downshift lever. Um, foot was still floored, um, and oh. the system honored it. So, I oh. completely, yeah, destroyed fourth gear oh. uh, when I did that. Because I went from third to fourth to fifth and went back to fourth, but it was while well it was floored. So, oh, wow. it just the shock of it just destroyed that fourth gear. The problem was it wasn't just fourth. Hmm. The bits of the metal, you know, wiped yeah. out the final drive. It wiped yeah. out a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So that was the start of my um, of my of my troubles. But um, the paddle shift um, has been now that I'm <laughs> it's been, it's been good so far. Now. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> Two rebuilds later, um, 
it's going better, and it is quite magic. Oh, yeah, so when the final drive got wiped out, that was before one. Mm-hmm. Uh, my buddy Keith at Hosport, uh, actually Brian now owns Hosport, his brother, um, but he had he bought like a bunch of those gearboxes. I knew he had some sitting uh, brand new, so he was able to, you know, quote-unquote loan me his. So mm-hmm. I bought a new one, the new parts I needed for mine from the uk it takes you know, a couple weeks or so to come in mm-hmm. but um he had a didn't have a 4-1 but he had a 4-3 sitting on the shelves so i put that in the car and so far the 4-3 found drive and the paddle shift has been pure magic awesome um, along with that uh, tvs supercharger kit that merc racing it mm-hmm. is this car is i wouldn't say unstoppable because I, I didn't get a chance to make a run at nationals to see how it mm-hmm. would compete against the big boys but but locally there's just no one could touch the car before there, there's no one that's even going to come close now with this combination yeah and i mean when i'm looking at the at the results or lap records uh the only other cars that i've seen that are kind of beating you are like an audi lms and then a gtr so i think you're doing pretty good <laughs> well and, and what's, what's crazy is the the audi lms two classes above so <laughs> ST, you know, the next class from ST2 is ST1. The Audi is um is a is an SU car, uh, mm-hmm. at least the one you're talking about from last weekend. And I believe I've got. Oh, you mean are you talking about Rob Caffets and and Chuck Walla? Uh, double checking. And what he do we have? have Rob Caffets. Yes, that is correct. Okay, yeah. So he does have a TCR car. I think last year he did. I think I edged him out in maybe in time trial. But I think he got me in race group. Mm-hmm. Um, again, one of those things where I just have two, I don't have quite enough intercooler mm-hmm. um, for that car. And, you know, it starts off at, you know, 120, 140 and take care of temps and ends up being like 225 at the end of the Ooh. race. So, yeah, it just, it just literally falls on its face towards the end of the race. So, ouch. Um, I've, I've made some changes to the car. Um, instead of seeing 220, I see like 190 now. And then I got okay. an even bigger intercooler coming in. So, okay. um, and that again was under last year's power. So, um, if Rob is at, uh, Chuck Wall again here in November or February. I I really don't think he'll be anywhere close. The car is just so much better. Yeah, and I mean those cooler temperatures at that time. And I mean, to be fair, um, Arizona and SoCal now. Um, most people have this. Uh, I think like a skewed view of like these tropical, um, really exotic destinations. But most of the racetracks are just plain desert with nothing but dirt and maybe some like joshua trees out out in the fringes but that's that's what we you know what's crazy is um (laughs) they do look kind of boring compared to like these beautiful tracks you see back in the northeast but Mm -hmm. those tracks scare me because it's like yeah you have some runoff room you just have more time to think before you hit the wall like Mm -hmm. you hit the grass then your car is going to accelerate before you yeah that's true or something so you know i they are boring, but I love the fact that there's nothing to hit if you go off track most of the time. Most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. So, since we're talking about your region's um, tracks, what what um, what is the normal tracks that you guys run uh, per season? So, that one's been a constant mm-hmm. change. That's the only thing that's been constant is change. So, when we first took over, PIR was like, Phoenix International Race was like our number one track. Mm-hmm. Um, I might not even have a full-time job, right, if we, if we had that one because it did so well. Um, we lost that one, I don't remember, two, just a couple years into it, maybe 2011-ish or so. Um, oh, wow, We why? also had lost, um, well, yeah, so similar to um, Auto Club Speedway. 
Oh. So I think, uh, you know, the word is what they're selling the land, and, mm-hmm. and they're just making the super speedway much smaller. Mm-hmm. But ideally, it's, um, you know, it's not for the circle track. It, they're getting rid of the, the road course portion. So uh, PIR did something similar where they just said, hey, we'll oh. make this fan experience. So everywhere there's a road course in the infield is now buildings and garages and, you know, fan oh. fair stuff. So, so that's where our track went, um, you know, our, our quote-unquote home track. Similar to SoCal, how you guys do Buttonwell, probably more than any other one. That, that was like, Pierre was like our, um, Arizona was like your guys' Buttonwell. Damn. The, um, and what is it? There is another track called Arizona Motorsports Park. So that one was in its, um, in its prime. People were there. I mean, it was, it was, it was, that was a great track and that was an uh, excellent replacement for, um, or that that was the home track prior to PIR being the, the pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, the owner there they were operating under special use permit, and then there was a bunch of land developers that came in <sighs> and essentially essentially shut that track down over noise, and it was shut down for I don't remember the exact amount of time. It was it was a long time. It was like maybe seven years or wow. give or take a few years there. So that one got reopened up, but they were very smart about. They're saying, hey, whatever our special use permit, we are going to stick to it. Two hundred people on site. I mean, that includes the janitor, that includes the flaggers, the ambulance, Damn. very, very limited people. Yeah. Very difficult to run an event there. Yeah. And um, the noise. So 96 dB at 50 feet. It's not like Laguna, to where you just lift when you go by the, the meter. If they hear you lift when you go by the meter, they'll black flag you. If oh, wow. The meter, they black flag you. So, yeah. You Even more strict in Arizona. Oh, boy. You have to. Yeah, because they, they want to make sure that they're not upsetting any neighbors around there. So. <sighs> Um, okay, like, sorry to cut you off, but this is, like, <laughs> one of the things that, like, really irks me, and, you know, I get it, there has to be a balance between the people that live nearby the racetrack and people that, you know, go out to the racetrack, and obviously, uh, I'm not talking about just, like, how you act at the racetrack, but I'm talking about with also getting to the track, like not doing burnouts, not doing dumb stuff like that, which yeah. I don't think is a, a problem. But, like, there has to be a balance because, like, I don't know. I, I just think that if you buy your home next to a racetrack, I mean, you, you, you can't go to an airport and say, hey, we want you to be quieter when you take off on your jets. It's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's even better than that. So, uh, I didn't tell you, this racetrack oh, is boy. right next door to Luke Air Force Base. No! Where they do F-35 tra- fire training all day long. Oh, my God. That is hitting meters. some, like, oh, my God. There's three meters, sound meters, at this track. And One they get blown the by the... Oh, boy. Yes, yes. One is the monitoring meter so that we can tell uh, a car if they blew the sound meter before they get to the real one. There's the real one, and then there's also a third meter, which is closest to the airfield, because that reason of that meter is when an, when a fighter jet takes off and they blow like a 110 dB, it says, hey, cancel any noise or overages on the real meter. So yeah, it's 96 <laughs> dB for cars, but it goes to well over 110 when the jets are taking off. All Bro! But it knows to cancel those. <laughs> so... Well, we- that's so ridiculous. Why? Oh my god. Oh my god. You, uh, can I give you a hug for that? Like that is the most ridiculous like 
Yeah, oh my is. god, dude! So like, this is why this is why I won't quit my day job because oh um, my god, well, losing losing PIR was a huge thing. Um, losing AMP was an even bigger thing, and then we got it back, but now we got it back with the restrictions. So we don't complain; we just go with it. We just say thank you for letting us be here, and yes, we will have quiet cars. And I'll have to text you a picture of my uh, muffler setup for. Uh, it's it's quite quite uh, that, uh, ridiculous. I that's gonna be the on, thumbnail. Uh, your muffler setup for this. Yes, it'll you, you'll you'll get a kick out of it. Uh, I'll, so, I'll put that down and uh, try and crop it onto an F thirty five rear exhaust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. so some people know, but I actually worked um, for a really shitty company, and I I I will forever. Anybody who does know me knows how triggered i am when it comes to working for uh this one aerospace company that i worked for so yeah just hearing that there's those type of jets and i'm pretty familiar with them uh it's just wild next to a racetrack and they're complaining about the cars and you have like oh oh my god yeah yes um yeah, we won't, I could I could spend the entire podcast talking about my gripes <laughs> with um, how that track got shut down. But that one's back on the books. Okay, good. Uh, the two other tracks out there. Well, actually, there's even more than that. So um, the next big one in town we refer to as people know it as Wild uh, Wild Horse Pass. What it's called today, it was mm-hmm. known as Firebird before. So that was a big hostile takeover. I believe the owner um, that when it was Firebird had a 30 year lease. Um, uh-huh. By the end of it, I'm sure at the beginning things were great. Towards the end of that lease, the relationship between the owner and the uh, the tribe that's on an Indian reservation um, probably was not good, and so they, you know, said, "Hey, we're going to take it back over." That's when it became Wild Horse Pass. So we've dealt with um, basically a new general manager probably every single year for the past I don't know seven to ten years. So that's been quite challenging. It's like starting over every single time. Oh wow! On tracks that aren't even that great. So um, we've got three local tracks down at um, Wild Horse Pass. Uh, one of it shares uh, uh, the, the main strip with the um, with the drag strip. Okay. It's like a roval, but it's like not a roval, right? Or it shares a road course. It's mm-hmm. like it's it's. I'll just say it's not that great of a track. Um, then there's one uh, called the East Track and the West Track. Uh, both have pros and cons. Mm-hmm. They are kind of marginal. That one is now getting shut down as well. Um, <sighs> due to freeway improvements. So, like, every time we get some sort of momentum going, you know, we either get a new manager to deal with and explain everything how we do stuff, or the track's getting shut down. So that's the latest grace. We have one more event um, in May on the East Track, and then I believe we'll probably be done um, with all of those. There is one other track on the facility called, um, used to be called Bob Bonnerart of High Performance Driving. Um, oh, yeah. That got changed to Rod- Radford now. Oh, okay. So you're like, why the heck would you change the name? Apparently, there was a big lawsuit between oh. them going bankrupt, and they say, hey, you, you, the bankruptcy didn't include you taking, you know, my husband's name, Bob Bondurant, so you got to change the name. So that's why it's called Radford. At least that's what I've heard. So wow. uh, that one there, they're saying we are staying sticking around. So we do have, we'll, we'll probably have one date at least per year, as long as they'll have us there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that one's set up as a, um, you know, like any of these, you know, skip barber schools. It's very much a yeah. school course that's not very good for racing. Super fun track. It's just, um, it's a much better HPD or time trial mm-hmm. track. We can race on it, but um, it, it is it's just it's smaller and it's not really designed. 
was never really designed for um for wheel to wheel racing. But uh, that is a track we frequent, and probably the most exciting one is uh, Podium Club. It's what they call the track. Um, the facility is called uh, Atessa, so we refer to it as Podium Club at Atessa. That just opened up. It's one of those private member tracks. So um, my buddy Dan Erickson is the um, owner behind uh, that that entire facility so i bought a membership through him as like one of those private members it's kind of one of those strongholds mm-hmm. you have to buy one i'm making the introductory so cheap you can't not buy it and of course if i want to rent from this track it's like i'm kind of held hostage i gotta gotta have to maintain the membership to to rent from him but that that mm-hmm. is a top top notch premier racetrack in the middle of nowhere so that one i don't want to say it becomes our home one only challenge is he's only allowed the clubs uh you know nasa my competition scca those types of clubs two dates per year because he's got to promise the members hey we won't have any more than two weekends per month filled with cl- uh filled with type of club stuff so you do the math on the month that clubs want to do it it's only gonna be two times a year we can go there yeah <laughs> you you know what guys like uh, i'm a part of my language man but you you are a freaking badass to keep arizona out there um going because i have literally heard an issue from like all of these every every single setup like everything is hard it it, every very very hard it it made it seem like you (laughs) they don't know what it goes on in the background it is so oh my god man i'm stressed (laughs) just hearing um Oh, and there, there's yeah, another, actually, I forgot about, there's, uh, obviously, there's Chuck Wallavelli Raceway, mm-hmm. which is in SoCal, so so Ryan Flaherty sold that region to Mike Collins, mm-hmm. uh, Mike and I have been in discussions, um, you know, I, I, I want to say we're here to collaborate together, but historically, that's been our date in February, um, that'll probably become a SoCal-ran event, and then we'll just make it like a crossover to where we go over there, so... Good news is, hey, we'll still we'll still be visiting Chuck Walla. Bad news is, I don't believe Arizona will run that February one. It'll probably be ran by SoCal. Uh, so that track's got no drama there. Just just some behind the scenes mm. of who's running that one. That that causes some issues. And then I'm pretty sure this is the last track. Last track is in Wilcox, Arizona. It's called Any Motorsports Ranch. Um, the drivers love it. Uh, the problem Seems is, to be. there's like there's like half the drivers love it right so half my drivers love it and say we'll go down there we'll pay whatever well that's great when like half go but the other half need to go to pay the bills so yeah. because of that um it made sense when it was cheap and then um i don't know i think i think nasa guys just like to like to party when they're not on track and i don't know if the members and the staff appreciate some <laughs> of the stuff that we did so we kind of got un- not uninvited but our our rental rates went went way up so they basically Every time we've gone, they keep on doubling. So oh. uh, this, this oh. last time, they doubled to the point that um, you know we're basically losing money, and um, you know people are saying, "Hey, we want to go back. We want to go back. We went back, and then we actually had a pretty decent turnout the last one, and then they doubled it yet again. So now oh I'm like, "All right, it's God. a guaranteed loss. So can I can I do it again? Probably not." Um, Bro, it's one man. of those things where with the Podium Club, if it does really really well, we can build up some reserve. And then take a chance, roll the dice with a, another, uh, you know, event at Indy. But it's it's just going to be, it's it's not in the cards for twenty twenty three, maybe twenty twenty four. We'll see. Man, I just want to give you a hug, man. Like this, <laughs> this is like, 
like we could sit down ha- have a beer together and just like sit down and just talk about like let let you vent a little bit because god that is not an easy like dude you got your work cut out for you and it it really makes me feel like you're a really impressive person and because it's it's hard to do this hobby when you know things get hard but i'm just talking about like the driving aspect the car aspect forget like the external part of like the track drama and whatnot i mean that i i I don't i don't even know like i i don't even know what to say (laughs) i know i I, so i appreciate you i can't take all the credit i got incredible staff my wife of course of course she does so much stuff in the background but yeah i mean people just they, they yes they see the struggles of their own of prepping their car and getting into the track like oh my god do you realize what we did to even have this event and so what really bums me out when i saw you in laguna was like uh, this is my last chance to run this because I'm pretty sure uh, NASA will never go to Laguna again after this last event. So in 2015, so Jerry and, and Ryan, SoCal mm-hmm. Norcal, they've done events there individually, they've done mm-hmm. together, and they say it's always been a pain in the ass. So I can't speak to everyone at Laguna, but just just operationally, it's difficult. They had a national yeah. champs in 2015. And they said, oh, my God, we'll never go back there again. Well, they're like, well, gosh, this really is a premier track. It's like, we got 105 dB day. This is going to be great. It's been seven years. They must have gotten all this stuff worked out. Let's try it again. They said, no, it didn't get worked out. It's even worse. They said, we will absolutely fool me once. You know what? Fool me twice. They said, we will never go. So I'm like, ah, I'll never get to know what would have my car done under a competition um, (laughs) environment. How would that have done? So, yeah. yeah, you talk about the struggles of can I even get a date? Can I show up? Can I make sure I don't lose a bunch of money? Um, and then you tackle in my car in there, too. And it's like, oh, my God, two events in a row or my transmission that should never, ever break or fall apart. It broke. Blows up two two events in a row is is just was a rate. I was ready to cry. I could use that hug in Laguna. <laughs> last Bro, month. like it's you right. didn't know me then. You, you, you are a gangster for doing all the hard work that you do. And, you know, uh, this is like something that I've talked to many people and I'm sure regular listeners might get sick and tired of me, uh, pointing this out or saying things like that, but hearing your struggles and hearing you like really putting effort in kind of reminds me of like the conversations that I've had with Adam Jabay about like grid life and, you know how hard he struggles to get like you know things to run right and sometimes he's like waiting till the last minute to see if hey are we gonna make money on this event or is this not gonna work out and it's yeah it's like i within talking to that person it really puts things into perspective and knowing that you know you as a client going to these events and me who i've i'm a racer but I also did uh, instructing. I, it, I, I took it very seriously, not, not only because I know I'm representing myself, but I'm also representing somebody else's uh, organization. And it's like, you know, I got to do good work to represent other people's work because I don't want to, you know, crap on all of the hard work that they do and then they have somebody have a negative experience. So it really shows how much 
effort you guys are putting out there and dude like that uh, I got nothing but respect for you for doing that type of work with so many things going against you I mean that is wild well I appreciate that and I think I came on to a key thing you said as well about hey if you're an instructor you're not just representing yourself you're representing that organization <laughs> and why I'd love to say that's just the best and that's the only thing it's like that's so key like I don't care which which organization you're instructing for it's so key that whoever you're instructing for that that person that your student is having the time of their life and comes back this is this is just been a really tough time i think for motorsports in general mm-hmm. um and i kind of i don't want to say blame but I, I believe like social media's got a huge portion of it like back in the days right once you found something hobby you loved right mm-hmm. that's all you knew so unless you saw something else like a, a magazine newsstand or read the paper mm-hmm. you would never know anything else with 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 motorsports now you, you know you figure out track days and you're like oh my god this is so awesome you start looking on facebook or amazon for some track day parts and all of a sudden next thing some pop ads are popping up for other things that are kind of similar and you get super easily distracted you find all kinds of other stuff that mm-hmm. oh i could spend my money and time doing this or doing that so I, I do think for anyone listening if they're also instructing trying to help offset some of those track costs man do your very very best job make sure that that student has a great time make sure they want to come back Maybe they come back to NASA and then they come back, you know, they're doing a grid life, but then they end up going to a NASA event or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really think we all, as motorsports enthusiasts, have to all stick together to make sure yeah. this sport lives. Because if you don't have a good job, it's like, yeah, you literally may not have that job or that organization, you know, next month or next year. Um, yeah. If you're not making sure those people don't come back. Because, I, I mean, and it is fair to say, and I'm, I'm of an age, uh, it feels so weird, man, especially, like, dipping my toes and going to, like, uh, different organizations. Because I try, I try to, like, go out there and meet different people, especially with the podcast. I, I want to, you know, it, my motto is that the more people that are out there, that's more people that are going to be out there racing. That's more people that parts manufacturers are going to be selling to. So it's going to just you know build up this uh hobby that we have but yeah i i am of an age where i remember other organizations that were out there um and they are not around anymore and you know if we go further back i i remember having uh andy hope and talking to him about like the start of uh, honda challenge and really where nasa started to to really grow um at, at least in my perspective for honda challenge and knowing that back in those days like there wasn't a lot of these organizations and you know if you don't nurture the groups that you're in i mean you're you're a prime example like you can lose some of these tracks and to me like i i, I think that's a thought that many of my listeners and many of the people that are from my region would never consider of like losing a track like that's that's devastating yeah, yeah. can you imagine right if uh if you know i don't know like i i don't know some new interstate going right to the middle of a button wheel and sell it wow <laughs> can you imagine like i, I how devastating would that be right or willow yeah. spring oh no i'm just tired of doing this stuff i'm gonna sell the track to some grape farmers and wine farmers right so yeah it, it, it it's unlikely in some cases but um i'm living proof that it's it's happened on multiple of my my tracks so 
I mean, it, if yeah. it happens in one place, it can happen in another place. And, you know, for as much grief, which I think it's deserved for, for uh, Laguna, you know, they are in, in terms of real estate. I can't uh, believe they're still around. Really freaking boiling hot real estate yes. market. Do you, like, I, I can't imagine the zeros that have been thrown to that, like, real estate development area. Like, I know. Uh, I know. I'm blown away as well. Uh, I mean, granted, that's why it's the most expensive. I think, hmm. you know, minute per minute, it's, yeah. like, it's one of the most expensive. It's even more expensive than Coda, yeah. is what um, National said. So, uh, yeah, just for regular track day organizers, um, man, hats off if you can pull an event there. I don't care what the entry fee is. It's just that is a difficult, difficult track. Yeah, but um, and I'm just blown away they still have it. Yeah, and you know, you can you can be critical of a track in the way that they treat the people that are renters, and still be you know complimentary at the fact that they are still around because. Yep. Those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. So, yeah, that is that is a wild, wild scenario if you really think about it. Because it's so close to the ocean, and it's in a really nice area of, of California, and that is like yeah. primo spots. Because yeah, know, right next to the airport, like it's just insane, insane location. So, um, being a a you know owner of a franchisee with with nasa obviously gives you some ideas of like what is the plans for the future and uh, i would imagine it gives you like a little a little bit of a foothold of understanding what what nasa is doing and if you can't share any information i i completely understand that but what what do you see in the future for the like club racing organization? Like, what do you, what would you like to see kind of happen a little bit more? Um, oh man, that's, that's got all kinds of stuff I could talk about. So, so there's the good news is there, there's nothing that like I'm confidentially bound to, um, mm -hmm. good and bad news. I guess. So the national office doesn't share a whole lot with, with the, uh, the regions until just about public so usually <laughs> we may hear like the day before or an hour before um you know the, the public hears so uh, you know most of the regions i, I do believe they kind of operate in their own space mm -hmm. uh, i wouldn't say they do their own thing uh national office is pretty key on just saying hey you know no matter where a member drives which region it should be a very similar experience obviously mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be identical i don't think you can make it identical but it no. should be the same we should all be using the ccrs uh, we mm -hmm. should all be offering the same series and classes and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but I think for the most part, they, the legions, regions run things the way that they need to be ran. Uh, there mm -hmm. is some kind of unified program, such as like the Toyota program. Yeah. So uh, that's a big feeder to to the regions. And while it seems like that's a good idea, I think I know what I feel, and then just being on conference calls with others, they felt is like, well, yes, it's good. We're getting brand new folks. The problem mm -hmm. is, these are guys that are more likely one and done, mm -hmm. right? It came free with their car and Hey, I might as well do it because it's free. It's already included as opposed to someone that naturally says, I want to track my car. And they, and they happen to find NASA and they do a bunch of research and they prep their car and they bought a helmet mm -hmm. and they showed up at your event. They're, they're more likely to continue on. Oh yeah. I um, mean, they, they've already invested so much going in right. there. 
That's right. And Toyota, like, they didn't even know, realize. A lot of them were like, oh, I didn't even realize this, this is going to happen as a result of this. So uh, mm-hmm. the challenge is, it'd be one thing if, hey, we had 100 HP1 spots. But most regions don't. Mm-hmm. They usually sell out. So they're taking up a, a large portion of the capacity. So, so mm-hmm. that is one one program. I can't remember what tangent I was going on with this one. Um, Future. That, that'd be like a national... Uh, pro- and that is good because you, you're at a never-ending feeder of uh, of a huge manufacturer, right? That's supporting NASA and, and, and feeding mm-hmm. folks into there. I don't know that we've seen necessarily. We certainly haven't seen better retention rates. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily worse than what our natural uh, entries that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of you know good or bad. Uh, I don't want to call that one there. Where is the future going? I, what I'd like to see is consolidation of classes. Um, mm-hmm. So if you, if you rewind 20, 30 years ago, I mean, you had entire car make and model clubs. Right? You had a Mustang club. You had a Corvette <laughs> club. You had a Porsche club, which is a Porsche Ooh. club still around. But I, guess what? You go to a Porsche club in America, it's not all Porsches. In Arizona, it's probably 10% Porsches and 90% all makes and models because they're about to go under. So I think that is the theme I'm seeing. There's no Corvair club, BMW whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. We're just seeing, hey, there's car clubs, right? Gridlife doesn't say you got to have a Honda. you got to have an import. They're just saying, dude, if you got a car and you're willing to pay us, show up. St. NASA's doing the same thing. So the same thing when it comes to the hardcore guys that are racing. God, I love Honda Challenge, right? I love Spec Miata. Mm-hmm. I love you know all these spec classes, but it's only if you've got this huge following. What I hate seeing is when you got three cars and Spec Miata, you got three cars and 944, and you got two cars and spec e46 and you got two cars and st5 well gosh you guys could all be running and mm-hmm. you know called super touring or, or, or whatnot so we're a big um supporter of super touring because it all makes and all models and you can fit yeah. every single car in the world in seven classes yeah and right, i mean so on a challenge you got four classes alone just 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 an honor challenge yeah and so, i mean being being absolutely fair um the ST system really does uh, lend itself to minimize the barrier of entry. And a- as a spectator, you you can see uh, representations of even the car that you currently drive being driven out there. So it kind of helps out in that scenario of like trying to bring people in. And I don't know. I, I think it's... Um, an absolute fair point because you're seeing things as an organizer and seeing like what is actually working. Um, for me, I, I love Honda Challenge. I like Hondas. That's kind of my the the stuff that I've always liked. Mainly because I don't believe in cars that have wheel bolts and five by one twenty bolt patterns. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> And I refuse to buy Torx uh, bolts um, and reverse Torx uh, bolts. So that that's, yeah. that's me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it would be very ignorant to say that there is no way that we can look at we- horsepower to weight ratio and you know physics are physics i mean grid life is showing that they can get multiple cars out there and at the end of the day if you have people racing and competing and having fun i think people that are friends of those people are going to be the ones that are going to be brought in because in my perspective i think that 
you can do all the advertisement you want, but somebody that has a friend that tracks or somebody that can pull somebody to the track is going to be a better bringer and keeper of her have a better retention than any type of like i don't know group on that you could give for a track day <laughs> right oh yeah absolutely, absolutely. i'm not saying like i said i think in the classes that, that they have a uh, good subscription to leave mm-hmm. those classes alone right uh, I, oh I of I course speak, it's not broken primarily from my own region mm-hmm. where it's like we have so many cars um or, or so many classes uh-huh. And only a couple cars in each one, and no one's willing to budge. I know this is what I like. I get it. I, I, I insist on having a Honda in like the ST2 class, right? And it's taken me years to get it. <laughs> I'd say to get it to be competitive, and I'm not sure that's true mm-hmm. because it simply doesn't last, right? It just it's doing something it was never designed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, two ninety five. So yeah, <laughs> two ninety five on a four lug. I'm still waiting for the the hub to completely four lug. That hasn't happened yet. Oh yes. man, you're wild! Yeah. You're wild! I, know, I, I love know. it! I, I love it! I should have done the five lug a long, long time ago, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> yeah, I didn't. And now I got too many sets of wheels. We're like, well, I don't want to make the investment of redoing all my wheels, and mm-hmm. they all have to be custom because there's no such thing as a fifteen, a fifteen by twelve, and a, and a five lug. <laughs> so, yeah, hmm. yeah, first world problems, first world problems. But yeah, I'd let, ultimately whatever needs to happen to get car counts. Mm-hmm. So whether it's total counts uh, or cars in the same class, I just want to see people racing. Mm-hmm. And so e- even some of the bigger regions, SoCal, I consider definitely a much larger region where you'll have three race groups is, is pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not like the 80s or, you know, where, where you had 30 cars all in the same class or mm-hmm. you had an entire group dedicated just to one single class and there were, you know, four or five race groups mm-hmm. and every single one looked like that. Mm-hmm. I think those days are, I wouldn't say long gone. I do think those those days of having all the same model and make and model mm-hmm. are probably gone. But if you can get them all in the same class, mm-hmm. whether it's Honda Challenge or Specniato or Super Touring 3 or 2, whatever, mm-hmm. I would love to see those car counts. So I, I don't know what, what NASA needs to do or really any region needs to do mm-hmm. or organization to, to, to get that excitement that... Um, Hey, you know, let's you know. There's lots of ways you can waste your money and waste it, waste it with us, <laughs> <laughs> right? Because the high is just so good. It is. It's really, really worth it when you have a good. Just you just need that one good race every now and then to keep you keep you plugging away. Keep keep you hooked. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, in terms of, <clears throat> sorry, um, in terms of like what I've what I feel like has worked for me personally is really the community and the people that I've met and, um, for Honda challenge, like the people that I've met in SoCal have helped me out to get my car ready and even helping out in parts. And I think the community aspect is really what, what helps, uh, the retention, but definitely having somebody out there who's a little bit more public facing, and it's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast was like a conversation that I had with one of our front runners where we're like, man, I wish we had more people racing in Honda Challenge. And it's like, well, yeah, but like if I ask people what's Honda Challenge or what's NASA, most people are going to say, oh, you mean the rocket ships? And it's like, no. Um, <laughs> uh, 
it's a road racing organization like you can compete you can do these cool things that everybody likes to talk about building race cars i mean if you go on instagram or um freaking tiktok and look up race car memes there's like thousands and thousands of them and then you show up to an event and there's like you said three people racing in one class and it's like yeah i I think that it comes down to people not knowing that something is there because I mean, I I routinely get asked from like coworkers and people who I've met, and they say, "Oh, you race where?" And it's like, "Bro, I'm like an hour <laughs> away from these racetracks. Yeah. Like, how do you not know?" And, I know. How do you not know? And, uh, I think they know too, to some degree, but they, maybe they just don't realize how how easily hmm. accessible. Or, and you don't need to have. I mean, people see these. They see my car or your car, right? So any quote unquote race car with a cage and they got a fire suit, and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Like, oh, that's a, that's just too much stuff, right? But yeah. I don't think people realize you can literally drive a completely stock car mm-hmm. and use a rental helmet, right? mm-hmm. and and you're you're on track. And you try it once, and it's like, oh my god! All right, look, I really dig this. Let me buy my own helmet. I really yeah. dig this. Let me buy some coilover. I really like. Mm-hmm. Let me buy a cage. Like, you don't yeah. have to start off from day one with a full blown race car. And I exactly. Think people see. And guess what? We all sucked when we first started. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trying to compare yourself to your top hunter challenge guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's just not feasible. So mm-hmm. everyone starts, you know, at, at the bottom, works their way up. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Even the bottom is pretty freaking fun. And each level is fun. So I, I do think we get the word out that, you know, you don't have to be, you know, the Marcel or the Ryan Flairs, the Bennies or what mm-hmm. have you, the Scott. Uh, Scott Adams out there uh, to, to have fun in your Honda mm-hmm. or any FF or any car. Mm-hmm. Um, just go out and try it and, and draw your own conclusions from there. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, like, the wild thing is that, and this is something that, because, I mean, you're into Hondas, I'm into Honda. We both know the, like, elephant in the room is that Hondas are very extremely popular in drag racing. And Drag racing stuff is, like, gigantic. But when it comes to road racing stuff, it's not as big um, in terms of numbers. Um, but agree. Uh, I think it's probably the risk tolerance, and I, I can certainly appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Like the risk that you're going to get your car wrecked or hit in, in drag racing is you know, extremely low compared to if you're truly doing wheel-to-wheel racing, so... Um, I mean, yeah and no. I, I I mean, like, I don't know. I, I feel like if you look at road racing, like, probably the biggest areas where people wreck or, like, have biggest issues are standing starts and the first turn. Like, that's usually where... If you get... I qualify even further than that one. So, okay, I, I actually, I'm teaching comp school coming up here. Uh-huh. And the way I so competition school, they want someone who wants to go from HPD to get their race license. The way mm-hmm. I start that usually off after inductions is, all right, show of hands, how many people have had car to car contact, right? And no one raises their hand. I'm like, okay, the reason is because you care about your cars. Exactly. But what's amazing is once you get a race license, <laughs> you feel like that's a license to crash into people. It's not. It's but not. all of a sudden, I, time and time again, they say, I'm a race car driver. I can now allow it without getting in trouble. Too much trouble. And it's like, guess what? Race group is the absolute safest place to be to not getting hit mm-hmm. if you care about your car. Mm-hmm. The problem is we all are like prideful and like want to win, show the world how good we are. 
and we're saying, I don't care about logic or skill. I am going to beat this guy to the corner no matter what it takes. And that's the problem. Yeah. So if you just use some logic of saying, hmm, my skill level and my experience, I don't think I could probably make this. Don't mm-hmm. go for it. And you will not crash. Mm-hmm. You will not crash any more likely than HPD. Yeah. But everyone's like, it's Rance Group. I can crash and it's not a big deal because it's like a lot now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's definitely like once you get, you know, your fire suit, your Hans device, your roll cage, all of these things in there, you're like, okay, now I'm okay to bang doors. And it's like, hey, banging doors isn't that fun. Like bump drafting, <laughs> no. uh, 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 that sounds fun. Like that, I'll, yeah. I'll admit, is fun. I haven't done it yet, but, you know, mainly because I'll drive oh, a single cam. But, oh, you got to do. Oh, all the more reason you got to get the other single cam or dual, get the B16 to push you down the straight, man. <laughs> So yeah. Are you the ACS uh, event coming up? No. Um, honestly, like my car is not not to the level to compete in the ACS. Uh, I mean, that's one of the tracks where I'm just like, I just bow out. Um, to be honest, it, for bump drafting. Yeah, but you do have to be somewhat close. But yeah, even a, a car that's down, you know, down noticeable horsepower. Yeah, you can you can get bump 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 hit hit hit. <laughs> And the two of you together will go faster around. Oh no, around for sure. Level. It's, but yeah, you'd be willing to someone to, to be, you know bunk 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 get you the whole way around. Yeah, the track. yeah, and that that's a different type of contact, people. We're not talking about like slamming into somebody. It's like rolling up and kind of like a little boom, like not. You I know, know you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> My foot's to floor, I, I'm, I'm trying not to scare them. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Yeah, you don't creep up. Yeah, you're flooring in. Ideally, especially in a hard challenge, respecting out our race nine four four spec. Yeah, I mean the power is so close. I mean the most you're hitting them is, is just a couple mile hour delta. But it's kind of funny when you get hit. It's pretty like bam. Like oh crap, my next close step back and get hit. This is pretty cool. You can literally hear like the RPM. It's like a little nitrous gets hit. Like, ah, ah, like the RPM's instantly up, and you're like, oh man, I'm going faster, and then. Even though you're going faster, you get hit a second time. This is awesome. <laughs> little little turbo boost every now and then. Oh man, that is that that is really fun. So obviously, you and I are in the same camp of, of like trying to convert more people from HPD people to time trialers to racers, and I, I just think mainly because um, my exposure has been uh, through the drifting world. Like, all of the people that I started off with, um, like, getting into cars were all drifters. And the amount of work and effort that they put into their cars, I'm like, you know, you can half that and run, like, two or three sets of tires the entire year. And... Like less it, tires, less rear bumpers, <laughs> less, less quarter pound. Dude, if you ever need a body shop person, find yourself a drifter. They know how to fix quarter panels, man. They have all the tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one there is definitely. I get it. it it's fun, but yeah, for, for the same amount of consumables or less, yeah. just go wheel racing and you'll have more fun. I mean, they do got us on the brakes, though. They never really used the brakes except for like the rears. <laughs> <laughs> That's right oh man but you know um i'm little by little getting to know more and more people in the nasa family and meeting people like scott adams people from the northeast and mid-atlantic and colorado region like 
the more and more I meet people, the more interesting it is how, um, like, different flavors they have in terms of uh, series and how they run things in their organizations. So, what what is the most competitive class in your uh, region? most competitive class i'd pro- probably spec miata um oh. and when i say competitive that, that would simply be um well, let me take it back spec miata or maybe st3 hmm. so spec miata has more total people um doesn't mean that it could be any one of 15 people wins no no i, th- I think just like i think anywhere you go any region you go any organization you go there's always like the top front runners and there's always the mid pack mm-hmm. and there's always the backpack. But mm-hmm. I, I think within any one of those segments, it's kind of anyone's game. So that part's yeah. really, really neat. And the fact they have so many cars for how mm-hmm. small we are, half our racers are in fact Miata. That's mm-hmm. one aspect. And ST3 oh, wow. locally. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we have, you know, typically 30 cars or so, uh, mm-hmm. about half of them will be spec Miata. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, huge hats off to Robert Rose and, mm-hmm. um, you know, his efforts to, to, to really build that up. Now, in yeah. ST3, uh, that one there is you literally have all, you may only have, like, anywhere from three to five guys in that class on any one given weekend. But it is kind of mm-hmm. anyone's, it's not a, uh, a given of who is going to win. So, oh, so the really deltas are really class. short between the top yes. and bottom. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, so that one is a much much closer battle. So it is neat. Like it, yeah, so that, I think that's that's what's super neat about that one. Um, ST two in my own class, um, I wouldn't say it, it's. it's uh, I do think if you look at raw times, I'm the quick one to qualify. I'm the quick one out there on that first few laps. But uh, you know, I think people know the stage is going to break. So <laughs> you know that doesn't really count. And then from there it becomes it almost becomes like we're all just hot messes in this particular class to where <laughs> we try, right? We got full-time jobs. We're our own mechanics. We can't afford to send to a shop. So it's always like oh, man, it's I mechanical feel longevity. It, it, that's where it becomes of who's going to win SC2 based off of who's got a car that lasts for the checker. Yeah, and from what I'm seeing in ST3, seems like you have one hot shoe out there that seems to have a lot of... Uh, Ken from- or Duran, right? I think um, it's Eric Davis has a lot of uh, a lot um, of well, lap if you look records. At just raw time track records. Yeah, he, Eric Davis is definitely one of our hot shoes. We got Jeremy Renshaw. Mm. He's a hot shoe. Ken Orgeron. We got um, uh, Alex Pettedaman. She drives this little spec Ford racer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Brian Turner in a Porsche. Um, Oh, there's more people I'm not thinking of. So Eric, he moves. I don't remember exactly how it goes. He still comes back for, and he's been doing a lot more enduros lately. Uh-huh. Um, and he lives in Hawaii, pretty much full time. But he oh, will wow. fly back for like enduros here and there, and he'll probably come out for like our Chuck Wall event. But we haven't seen him too much. Um, and he's got uh, a stakeholder in multiple different cars, so he hasn't been driving oh. SD2 too much. But like I said, you you take any one of these top drivers. And they're all driving, uh, I wouldn't say all. So we got one to Porsche, got one to BMW, one to Spec Racer mm-hmm. Ford. One's an E46, one's an E36. Uh, but it's just neat that you literally can almost do like a rock, paper, scissors and like it's that much chance who is mm-hmm. going to win that particular day. 
So mm-hmm. that's what I like about that particular class in terms of the racing. Um, there's probably some other class I'm not thinking of. Mm-hmm. Like in time trial, that one's getting quite quite uh, interesting in like TT5. Mm-hmm. Um, that one there, I think at our podium club event, I want to say we saw, I don't remember, closer to nine or ten cars in there. Um, yeah. And the, the times weren't super duper close, but I mean, uh, somewhere in the middle there, the mid-pack, and again, that, that fight for the top, mm-hmm. it was close. Right, so it's not always just a given of who's going to win. Yeah, and with the new TT rules, where they're favoring the Toyo RR um, a little bit more, and I, I think the BMW M3 is able to make a lot more power, like the E36 or E46. Uh, again, I don't, I don't. Well, it's I, not a lot, little bit. It's a lot. <coughs> but what's funny is I've yet to see everyone. Everyone criticizes the oh my god, 1.6. You know, additional running the Toyo R. Well, I don't think, I don't know that anyone's exploited that to where, oh my God, we had someone that never won, and all of a sudden now they're winning on Toyos. Well, and so we've got multiple hot shoes that have tried it. So I got a friend in an S2000, a Turbo S2000. Mm-hmm. He used to run Hoosiers on a lower tune, and he ran RRs on the higher tune. And he's like, dude, local tracks, Laguna, like, it's it's faster than the Hoosiers less power in the Hoosier than it is mm-hmm. having tons more power on the RR. So I think it is class dependent, maybe chassis dependent. I think yeah. the lower classes can benefit more, mm-hmm. right? If you got a car that's always floored pretty much all the time and mm-hmm. you just literally adding more power, mm-hmm. um, you, you could have the, I think the jury's out. If, if that's a significant advantage, I think it's just, um, it's an option to where now you got a fighting chance. Cause uh, RRs. I, I was blown away recently at our Big Willow event. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you've driven that track. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now that one there is a, that one is a track specific. I could see the Toyos being an advantage there because <laughs> that one is all about power and you're floored. <laughs> yeah. So how did that one? So did was it you universally? Uh, so the RR was it hard to have? So here's the interesting thing because uh, again, we're, now we're talking about like th- this feels like a real conversation about like, hey, what's so go- what's going on with this? Um, yes. I'm very partial to the Maxxis RC1. I like them for time trial. My personal experience, they get up to temperature and they work really well. The Toyos, I think, um, have a little bit better um, endurance. From what I've been talking to the um, Specky Thirty guys, in terms of yep. like them judge uh, dealing with the tire change, but recently the lap record for TT Five got redone, and I think it w- was like at a one thirty five before at um, Big Willow, and now it got taken down to like a one thirty. So oh, five seconds on oh, RR. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, yeah. so I think it's going to be um, track dependent. You try to do that. It, it doesn't, that would probably be like one of the few tracks. I think there maybe like um, tracks where they have really, really long straights. And auto the car's club. already flat out anyways. Yeah, Auto Club would be another one where I think that could be really exploited. But take that to a Streets of Willow, take it to a oh. Button Willow. I don't know that you're going to see those deltas, even with the power. Yeah, um, no, I, I would. Uh, I think that's a fair assumption. Like that's completely fair. I, I completely agree with that. More technical courses. I, I think you can. You yeah. That's that sounds right to me. Yeah, five, I mean, already a one thirty-five is super impressive in that uh, five car. But yeah, to knock another five seconds off there is just insane. 
and, um, and, and that's just testament for how much power yeah. got added. But also, and not not to blow my my buddy up, but Carlos Valenzuela with the um, D series CRX currently has the lap record for uh, H four at a big willow with a one thirty five. So you know, H four. Awesome. And a single cam. Single cam CRX. Taking back to my high school days, I was like a dream car, man. It was a 91 CRX. (laughs) SI. Mm -hmm. Fastest car I'd ever been in at the time. Now it's like the slowest car I think I've ever been in. Yeah, you need a good final drive and somebody who's really willing to hang it out for that. For sure. Stay with us. Stay with us. Oh man, I, I don't know. It, it's just like, uh, I guess, um, just talking for a lot, long time. I uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I think we could probably talk for another hour on this stuff, but uh, maybe we uh, uh, call this episode and we we could spend a whole probably uh, series just talking about tires and rule changes. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'm gonna take uh, nature's hint at. Uh, me, me coughing my lungs out here and, <laughs> right. and not make this uh, audio format any worse than it already is. So no worries, man. with that, you know, I am incredibly happy that you took the time off and um, came on the podcast and shared a little bit of that. Um, again, my goal with this um, podcast has always been to expose more people out to the track and the organizations that are out there and you know in my personal opinion uh to come up in uh the hpde ranks um i still think that nasa has the best curriculum the best ladder system out there um i don't think that that means that everyone else is crap or anything else like that i just think that in my personal experience i i feel like that is one of the better organizations to go out there and if you're in the arizona rate uh region you know support um tage out there because he he needs it man with all of these tracks like fighting him you know like thank you brother thank you yeah and you know the the good thing about it is that arizona you have people like brian gillespie out there um holding it down for hondas and swaps and whatnot so like if you're out there and you want to learn and how to become a better driver nasa instructors they're really i think they the majority of them care and they really do try and you know hopefully that helps you out to meet some people who are kind of cool and like the things that you like and um yeah if there's anybody else you want to give a shout out to go ahead uh Dej. Oh man, put me on the spot here. I'm gonna forget <laughs> anyone if I call them out specifically. So I know I rattled off a few different names. Uh, well, thank you for having me on as a guest. Um, there's just been so many supporters throughout my uh, call it driving career and my adventure here with NASA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think I have to save it for another time of like thinking <laughs> thinking it through of who I named putting you on I the spot. One person, but I named don't name someone else. It's more important that that looks bad on me, but. I recognize there has been an army of mm-hmm. people that have helped me get to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think uh, anyone that has helped me knows that. So, anyone that that has helped, 
I sincerely thank you for, um, mm-hmm. you know, never ever thought I'd, heck, I even have a enclosed trailer, right? <laughs> it was like, that was my goal. Like, oh my God, oh, I yeah. have an open trailer. Never thought I'd have an enclosed trailer, much less, you know, own the NASA region and, and have a monstrosity trailer behind me. So, bro, uh, I, I feel like that. so much kinship with you. Like, I, I literally am building a Honda Challenge car in a two car tandem garage. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, for uh, those that I know, just have an enclosed trailer. Like, it'd be my dream come true. D- I mean, yeah. just not using a U-Haul trailer on my GX470. Yes, yes. <laughs> I feel you, brother. I feel you. I was there like 20 years ago. So, oh man. Hopefully, yeah. in 20 years, I I can be uh, taking a a page out of your book, and I I don't know if I would ever ever feel like taking over a franchise. That sounds like immediate, so daunting, but. I don't know. People usually say the people that don't want to do something are usually the people that should be doing it because they, they, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is it is daunting and it's challenging, but it's rewarding at the same time. And again, I think you talked about it earlier. Passion is so key. So if you're passionate mm-hmm. about something, you're going to be successful at it just because you, you can't rest or sleep or whatever until things are yeah. done. I wouldn't say perfect, but you know, good enough to get you to the next event. So. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I think for the majority of people, there's going to be people you never, you're just never going to please. But if you're constantly trying, and which apparently to be in Arizona, you just have to be trying. If not, you're gonna, you're just gonna be gone. (laughs) Oh man! But with that, guys, you know, again, if you're in the Arizona region and you want to meet like cool racers, um, and especially if you want to. Take a look at what it takes to put a 295 Hoosier on an EG. That alone, <laughs> that alone should be a, a reason for you to go out to one of the Arizona events. And uh, yeah, um, I don't think there's going to be many other EGs out there with 295s out there. So you, you should be able to find Mr. Tage out there. Yeah, right, right. All right. And with that, guys, um, thank you. And I will see you next Monday. Alright guys, thank you.